Welcome to The Theology of the Body, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the Church's sacred tradition. This is episode 92. My name is Brooke, future Smashburger champion of the world. If you're looking to grow in the faith in new ways, looking to connect with other faithful Catholics who are committed to helping you grow closer to our blessed Lord, or you're simply looking for other Catholic voices who are willing to speak the truth without compromise and who like to have fun in the process, you've come to the right place. We're not experts, but have learned a lot over the 15 plus years we've been friends in the faith, and we want to share that with you. So if you haven't yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to ensure that you get the best current candid Canadian Catholic critical coffee break conversations delivered to you right when they air. Don't forget to drop by theologyofthebuddy.com for all of our show notes and past episodes. While you're at it, don't forget to follow us on social media so you can keep up to date with all of the great content that we're sending out. Guys, you're trolling me off there. What y'all doing? There is every C word I could think of. (laughs) That was not me. <laughs> Wait, it was Mike this time? Yeah. Mike pulling the pranks? Off. It was an inside job. Yeah. Oh, man. Were you guys talking about this, like, off camera? Nope. No. Oh. No. I just I, it was a total surprise. Well, good job, because I was just like, oh, no, it's happening. It's happening. I'm messing up my words. I always just laugh at the uh, um, alliteration there, so I put in a few more. <laughs> Current Canadian Catholic candid critical coffee break conversations. I don't even know if I got them all in there. <laughs> I, I did my best. <laughs> I did my best. So, guys... Currently, it's uh, the day after Valentine's Day. It's nice seeing y'all. Happy Valentine's Day. I have to. Happy Valentine's Day, Chris. Hey, you too, Tim. (laughs) 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 If we decide to be romantic for the next nine days, is it? Does it make it Valentine? Oh, oh. you're such a good dad. Nice. I like it. Mike spoiled me rotten this year, but. He also spoiled Chris Rotten in the process. Yep, he I didn't realize this was that kind of show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you if you guys listened to our last episode, we talked about me making smash burgers for Chris's birthday. Well, yes. one thing led to another, and using my womanly ways, I said, "Mike, could you please get me a smash burger set for Valentine's Day?" And he said, "Yes." <laughs> I think I think yes. this I think it needs to be stated though what this was born out of which was a conversation that I had with Mike secretly at the dinner table with him which which was basically if I tell her that these smash burgers that I'm eating on my birthday aren't the best ones that she could do she's going to feel obligated to like keep <laughs> working on her craft and and i'm just gonna keep getting smash burgers out of the deal and you know what here we are yeah. now <laughs> I've, I've got tools. smash burgers for the rest of my life already set up <laughs> yeah yeah you're committed now yep yep we got like a like a cast iron griddle skillet that we can put like on our gas stove and in the metal burger press and the metal spatulas and stuff and i'm just like it's happening yeah. I'm so excited. The burgers are going to happen. Yeah. I just love the reaction when uh, we told Chris and Julie, and Chris is just like, oh, thanks, Mike. And I'm like, you're welcome, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm 
absolutely enamored with Smash Burgers. They're just, and it's funny because it's like, like I get into these things, and then it seems like you start seeing them everywhere. So it's mm-hmm. like, like a week a week later, like a new Smash Burgers place opened in London, and it's just like, come on, guys, this is Brooks, just obviously the Lent. queen of Smash Burgers. <laughs> no mm. kidding, no <laughs> flipping kidding. And oh, obviously, so. Chris liked them before they were cool, as usual. Yeah, that's the way it goes. So, Brooke, I was noticing that you got uh, some new hair there. Yes, there's a story. That is that is a story. There's a that story. I have. I've been yeah. I've been looking forward to the story. So, you know how most of the time, like you know, when when a lady goes to get their hair cut, usually you know that they got their hair cut because they'll update their profile picture. Yes, usually. Mm-hmm. Usually, okay. Usually, yeah. Well, that didn't happen because I had edited the podcast episode and I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out and get my hair done because my mom was watching the kids. I had some time and I thought I would hit the mall and get, you know, get something done with my hair. I make an appointment at the mall, which is not usually what I do, but I thought it's a last minute thing. So that's where you go. So I went in not really knowing what I wanted to get, but I said, to the hairdresser who had recently come to Canada. I said, okay, well, I'm not sure what I want, but, you know, let's, you know, take like two inches off the the ends, you know, layer it up and freshen it up. He's like, okay. So he didn't ask what I really wanted until after he had washed my hair, put me down in the chair, brushed it, and then was looking at it. So, and I tell him, you know, what I'm thinking. He cuts off a little bit, shows me it in his hand and he says, is this amount okay? I say, yeah, sure. It looks sure. And then he keeps cutting and slowly more and more hair is getting cut off. Like I'm talking, wow, he's cutting like four or five inches off of my hair. And he just, there's no saying stop because it's already too late. He's just cutting straight across. Like, like he, he's just, and not talking either. So I'm really uncomfortable because, you know, I have this guy cutting my hair that I wouldn't have thought he was even a hairdresser. And uh, yeah, he just keeps cutting off chunks of my hair, just huge pieces. And then he finishes the look and I'm, you know, my heart is in my stomach because I'm like, I told Mike I was just going to get a little taken off, but a lot got taken off. <laughs> and uh, I, I basically almost started to cry when I went to the car. And I like call my mom and I'm like, mom, mom, I need you to tell me it's going to be okay. I need you to tell me Mike's still going to love me when I get home. (laughs) So I show her the haircut and she's like, oh, oh, it doesn't look bad. It doesn't look bad at all. And I'm like, you would say that because it's your hair. (laughs) 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 It's it's very similar to the hairstyle she's constantly been getting for like 30 years. And so I'm like, okay, it's going to be okay. So then I call Mike. Just so he, I can say, Mike, this wasn't my idea. This wasn't my idea. I'm going to get shawarma. I'm bringing it home and it's going to be okay. And this wasn't my idea. <laughs> I love you. Please don't leave me. And then I promptly hung up the phone. The, the story has been dramatized to keep uh, audience attention. So then I come home and he says it doesn't look that bad. I still hate it. I hate my I hate my life. Like everything is terrible. I call my sister the next day and she's like, oh, oh, it doesn't look bad. And I'm just like, oh, really? She's like, who cut your hair? So I told her who cut the hair and she's like, oh, that guy. He did my daughter's hair. And don't don't tell her. But she liked it. But I really didn't like it. I'm like, it's the same haircut, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So, I, so I feel like every time a woman sits in the chair from that hairdresser, it's the same hairstyle. Just cranking them out. He only knows how to do the one. Yeah, it's just the one. 
Yeah. This guy wouldn't have to be like an Israeli secret agent or something, would he? I have no idea. I bet I definitely oh, man. for that. <laughs> I was I was definitely <laughs> disappointed. So I'm 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 tr- I'm in recovery. I'm doing okay. Uh, Mike had to get new glasses. Um <laughs> Yeah, pretended to have a new prescription so I couldn't see the hair anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my story. Maybe it wasn't as exciting, but all viewers, I've had long hair for a little while and I've always been a fan of having short hair, but this is like part mullet, part wolf cut, part like 80s, I don't know, glamour shot, and it's just not working very well. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you guys doing now that I've talked your ear off about a stupid haircut? <laughs> I got my haircut yesterday too. I mean, no, you guys noticed. Me too, actually. <laughs> and, and Tim, we got the same haircut. I know. We, I think we go to the same barber. <laughs> Just it's yeah. it's called Lex Luthor cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Just one hairstyle. It's that dude's brother from the uh, from the mall. He, he he can only do one hair. Um, yeah. Oh man, and Chris, you doing good? Doing good, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Very excited about my future life of, of Smash Burgers. I can't wait, I'm, man. I'm incredibly hungry. Septuagesima is the worst, and <laughs> Lend is even going to be even more worse. Uh, but uh, you know what? I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a fruitful Lent this mm-hmm. year. I really do. It's going to be a. It's going to be a f- very interesting one. Beyond the like the the required fasts and things like that. Like, do you guys have any other like I don't know like things that maybe like you're using for spiritual reading or or something that uh, is you're kind of looking forward to in terms of like diving into during Lent? Well, actually, uh, based off of what we were reading for this episode, I just kind of kept going with it. And I turned to this book I got from Angel's Press called Your Mass in Your Life, which is actually five books. And it goes through the mass from the liturgical setting all the way through the very, very end. So, I mean, very much on point for what we're doing now, but it is almost in a catechism format, uh, almost a Baltimore catechism kind of format. So, very interesting there. So, picking up a little bit here, a little bit there. It's just kind of spoon feeding me stuff that I may have missed out on the first pass through. Nice. Mm. Nice. Cool. Yeah, sounds like a good book. I'll have to I'll have to check that out for sure. Stresses, are you doing any like spiritual reading or anything like that in particular? I did just get a new book. It's not really intentionally Lent focused. It's just a book about Traditionis Custodis. You may have seen it on uh, Doctor Kwasniewski's page. It's the one. Uh, Does TC meet the juridical reasonableness test or something? <laughs> Yeah, does it pass the smell test? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> why that guy from the um, fraternity of St. Vincent Fair. Yeah, that's what I started reading. I need some more uh, some more spiritual reading for Lent, though. I haven't got anything quite lined up for that. Tim recommended A Father Who Keeps His Promises, and I said, that'll be great for Advent, so I'm almost done it now. That's good. <laughs> 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 that is a really great book. Uh, it's yeah. really good. I was just like, it's only like seven and a half hours. How come it takes me so long? But you know, what? I like to listen and like absorb and really pay attention. And uh, it just ta- it just takes me a long time to get through anything. So mm-hmm. I'm just focusing on keeping keeping the fast that we've get- given ourselves. And I'm going to finish this book and then I'm going to grab another one and just go from there. Oh, so yeah. I'm open to recommendations. Listeners, be sure to drop some 
Lent reading recommendations in the comments wherever you're listening. And that would be great. Oh, yeah. There is no book that I give away so often as a father who keeps his promises. And that one, fortunately, you can get copies stupid cheap. Uh, Dynamic Catholic has them for like $5 a copy. Mm. So if you like, if it's you a good lose book. books, if you like, like to give books away, you know, yeah. it's a great place to pick this one up. I'm listening to it on Audible because I still had a subscription and I thought that would mm-hmm. be a good use of my, uh, my credits. So I'm enjoying it. It's really good. Do you have anything That's special cool. going on, Chris? So, yeah. So kind of a, a random, random story. As many, I'm sure of our listeners are aware, unfortunately, my mom passed away in, uh, on the Feast of St. John, September 27th. Or sorry, December 27th this past year. And my mom, if she was anything, she was really a student of St. Therese. It's actually pretty wild, you know, going through all of her books and she just, the majority of, not the majority, I should say, but the thing that she had the most of was books about St. Therese. And, but one book in particular my mom absolutely loved was I, a book called I Believe in Love by Father Dalby and an absolutely awesome book. And so like I, I've read it in the past, but I just thought like maybe I should pick it up again. And um, I picked up my mom's copy. Now she had it while she was in the hospital prior to her passing and she was working through it and but she didn't get through through all of it she got through the first couple chapters and then it stops like she you know was scrawling in the margins and highlighting and you know underlining and things like that and so basically i'm picking up where she left off Mm. and continuing on starting from the beginning but continuing all the way through and and continuing in that study so that's that's my lent goal is to to get through that book Um, the problem with that book is that it's so good that like you could like read a paragraph and then it's just like oh there's my mental prayer you know Mm. like <laughs> so it's uh, it's one of those things where it's not a book you just kind of plow through, but mm-hmm. you really take a lot of time and reflection and, and meditation on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. Cool. Excellent. Mike is like super excited about today's topic. What is it, Mike? Give it your all, your best breakdown voice. I don't have a breakdown voice. Could you just cry then? It's a liturgical breakdown. I don't know. It's too much pressure. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> he can't handle it. Can't it happens to us all. A for effort. It's so weak. <laughs> can't do it. It doesn't uh, compare to what I did last week. So anyway, yeah. So we're getting back into the liturgical breakdown. It's been a long time. Re-listened to the last liturgical breakdown where we left off was a trip. Everything was happening in the States and with the elections and stuff like that. And it was, I think that was COVID time, wasn't it too? This was almost, was it two years ago or three years ago that we did that episode? Three years ago now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, it was really fun to listen. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend listening to that either before or after this one just to see that contrast difference in what the world was looking like. Yeah, so let's get into it. Talking about the offertory prayers and whatnot. Yeah, so we're we're picking up kind of where we left off. So like the last the last liturgical breakdown was diving into the beginning of the offertory prayers, right? But we didn't get through through all of it, unfortunately. So what in particular are we going to be attacking in this episode? So listening back, we had left off right before the lavabo. So that's kind of where we're picking up right after, um, I believe the last thing we had covered was uh, the prayer, um, Como Sanctifier. So the incensing of the offerings at a high mass. So this is in the traditional Latin mass, the Tridentine, right? So it says... 
May the Lord, by the intercession of blessed Michael the Archangel, who standeth at the right side of the altar of incense, and of all his elect, vouchsafe to bless this incense, and receive it as an odor of sweetness, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Receiving the thurible from the deacon, the celebrant incenses the bread and the wine, while he says, May this incense which thou hast blessed, O Lord, ascend to thee, and may thy mercy descend upon us. And then he incenses the altar, stating, Let my prayer, O Lord, be directed as incense in thy sight, the lifting up of my hands as an evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, and a door round about my lips. Incline not my heart to evil words to make excuses in sins. Mm-hmm. And that comes from Psalm 142 to 4. Mm-hmm. So that's, and then, and then he gives the thurible back to the deacon and says, May the Lord enkindle within us the fire of his love and the flame of everlasting charity. That's not at the Novus Ordo. No, no. the incensing is there, but not these prayers. That's one no. of and it's and it's optional, right? It's optional. It's not, yeah, uh, most most parishes don't do the incensing of the offerings or just incense. Just just no, not really. <laughs> but uh, every time I kept rereading about incensing, the visual of like Saint Michael, like near the altar, bringing forth the like bringing forth our prayers, is uh, pretty powerful. I just love that because <laughs> it harkens back to like Revelation too, right? That St. Michael bearing the incense prayers and stuff. That makes yeah. sense. Also, Book of Micah as well, where it talks about the incense of the prayers of the saints rising for God. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it harkens to the temple too, right? Like, and just constantly like how there was always incense used in in the in temple sacrifice and worship. I'm going to get to use the word harkens so much in this episode. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's goals. Right. Yeah. So when I was reading um, This is the Mass, which is kind of my my go-to book that I really like to read because A, it smells like old books, but B, it's also got uh, Fulton Sheen celebrating the Mass in it. And let me just read here. The perfume of the incense ascends to God as does a prayer. There was another angel that came and took his stand at the altar with a censer of gold says the writer of Apocalypse. And incense was given him in plenty, so that he could make an offering on the golden altar before the throne, out of the prayers said by all the saints. I just thought that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that says here in the um, the Angelus Press Missile is that the, the gifts are first incensed in the form of a cross, and then in the form of a circle. Then the crucifix, or the tabernacle, the altar, the celebrant and ministers, the clergy present, and finally the people are incensed, expressing the church's desire that the divine mercy sweetly and plentifully descend on all assisting at Mass, flowing mm-hmm. from the altar to the priests and through them to the baptism. Oh, yeah. I like this section here in the... Uh in your mass in your life, where it talks about uh, the censor typifies Christ's human nature, and also every Christian worthy of the name. The fire figures the Holy Spirit who inflamed the heart of Jesus and will likewise fill our hearts with the flames of his love. For is it not a true Christian, com- or for is not a true Christian composed of soul, body, and the Holy Spirit? Incense which the fire consumes and whose smoke ascends into heaven is an admirable symbol of the operation of the Holy Spirit in the Savior's person and in the souls of all those present. Love it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this is this is one of the most one of the most one of the richest parts of the as far as like every actual piece. Like outside, I think that actually the incensing outside of the consecration itself is probably just like the highlight of okay, this piece has a meaning. This piece has a meaning. This piece has a meaning, and it's every single item. There's just nothing that's superfluous, and mm-hmm. you know, you know where. 
other parts of other parts of the mass, yeah, there is a little bit of utilitarian. You know, this has to be done so that we can move on to this. This is entirely a uh, symbolic and meaning-driven act. I don't know, even at least from a cursory read of the new missile, like when the priest blesses the incense and they use it to incense the altar. Is there a specific prayer that they pray? Uh, if it, if there is one, it's not prayed out loud. I've never actually heard one prayed. Yeah. You know, and actually, there was at a Steubenville conference. I was uh, holding the censer while it was being lit, and it was there was more conversation going on than actual prayer at that point. Yeah. So the lavabo is uh, when the priest washes his hands after he has prepared the offertory, the the bread and the wine, correct? Placement wise. Yes. Because he, yeah. So he he's done the incensing, and then right after the incensing, he goes to wash his hands. And that's on at the epistle side. There's a few places we could start with the lavabo. One of the most obvious ones, I think, is just, it's one of those prayers where you look at it side by side with the Novus Ordo and the TLM, and it's basically just gone. There's like a one-liner that the priest prays. Um, it's, Lord, cleanse me of my sins and wash me of my iniquities yeah wash me my iniquities in the my sins. Yeah. Yes. yeah yeah iniquities yes, yes. first yeah but yeah then it's quite a bit different in the tlm there's two blocks of prayer there first psalm 25 6 to 12 i will wash my hands among the innocent i will compass thine altar doubly appropriate if he has just physically compassed the altar with incense yeah then the second prayer that said after washing his hands when he returns to the altar. I'll just read it. Um, and it's like a continuation of, at least to my mind, of the earlier parts of the offertory where we are emphasizing the sacrificial nature of the Mass. It says, Receive, O Holy Trinity, this oblation which we make to thee in memory of the passion, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, and in honor of Blessed Mary of her Virgin, Blessed John the Baptist, the Holy Apostles Peter and Paul, and of all the saints, that it may avail unto their honor and our salvation, and may they vouchsafe to intercede for us in heaven, whose memory we venerate on earth, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Obviously, some themes we've touched on a bunch of times, mentions of lots of saints, um, explicit mention of oblation. One thing that was interesting was and maybe you guys can shed some light on this. It's slightly different in the Monsignor Mormon book. This may just be a difference based on where it's said, but I believe this prayer mentioned these and all the saints, referring to the relics of the altar. In Monsignor Mormon, it says, instead of the holy apostles Peter and Paul and of all the saints, here it says the holy apostles Peter and Paul and of these, meaning the relics in the altar and of all the saints. I wonder why that's different in uh, this little red book. It, it omits that. The missile, it says, itself says, so it says, yeah, in honor of Blessed Mary of a Virgin, the Blessed John the Baptist, the Holy Apostles, Peter and Paul, of these and of all the saints, right. that it may avail to their honor and our salvation. Yeah, so there's a, a reference there to the relics in the altar, which again, the removal of this prayer kind of leads to the problem we have in our diocese, right? Where they don't want to have uh, <laughs> altar stones anymore, because... Uh, yeah, yeah. 
dimensions of them in the mass are gone. Yeah, I'm just I'm just taking a look to see here in terms of like the like where it goes from the lava bow in the new right. So after they do like the the preparation of the gifts, right? It says if appropriate, he also <laughs> if appropriate, he also incenses the offerings. The cross and the altar. When would it not be appropriate? That's my question. A deacon or other minister then incenses the priest and the people. Then the priest standing at the side of the altar washes his hands, saying quietly, Wash me, O Lord, from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Then standing in the middle of the altar, facing the people, extending and then joining his hands, he says, Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Mm. Right? Yeah. Whereas, like, there's that whole prayer to the Holy Trinity that's been yanked out. Mm-hmm. We had discussed this right. in the last episode where Tim had mentioned like going into the Holy of Holies, right? And the preparation that the priests would have to do for that. This really reminded me of like another added step that they took to purify themselves before they before they saw see God, right? That's Just- a thing Monsignor Mormon mentioned too about the Oratre. Orate fratres, which comes next, that uh, it's the last time that the priest faces the people before the canon. Mm-hmm. And Monsignor Mormon likened this after the Orate fratres to the moment where the priest is kind of going into the Holy of Holies or up the mountain away from the people. Yeah, one of the things I've uh, noticed, and it's very apparent, I'm sure it happens throughout the year overall, but this, I think, is one part of the liturgical year where it mimics the Mass, or it mirrors the Mass very, very well, where here you've got the uh, incensing, and then you've got the uh, lavabo, you have the the purification rite, and then you have the preparation of the gifts, and then you've got the consecration. And then in the year that we're having right now, and every year, is you've got, you know, we start off, you've got the purification of Mary, and, you know, it's a purification rite, essentially. And then you go in, you've got the jizimas and Lent and the preparation of the gifts, and then you've got the consecration. So, it, I think that as far as, like, mass to liturgical calendar, I think that there is a parallel that is very well done here. That's that's Neat. incredibly awesome. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, um, I was reading uh, a book, I think it's called How Christ Said the First Mass, don't quote me. It's from Tan Books. That's an old one. But uh, it was talking about how in the Passover meal, there was multiple hand washings. And I was thinking, like, I think he said there's three major ones. And I was like, do we kind of have three major washings in the the old rite? And I was like, well, kind of. <laughs> I guess it would, like, you would maybe consider the asparagus the first, <laughs> and then this, the lavabo, and then after Mass or after communion, then there's another washing. Yeah, does the priest wash his hands when he is vesting? I think he is supposed to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There would still be three during the Mass, but During the Mass, yeah. Very cool. (laughs) One little detail about the transition from the offertory to Orate Fratres. In the traditional Latin Mass, the priest, after praying that prayer to the Holy Trinity, kisses the altar before turning to the people. Another thing that's often kind of taken out in Novus Ordo is these little gestures of uh, piety, kissing the altar, making the sign of the cross, and stuff like that, kind of pared down. It's just interesting when you notice it. Yeah, I was just going to add there that looking at Fulton Sheen's book again, where he says, 
The priest now kisses the altar and urgently begs the congregation to unite themselves with him in order to take part in his offering. And here it is that he seems to pause in what he is doing, that he may make a final and most pressing appeal to them before he proceeds to the consecration. So it's almost like, you know, he's turning to, he's trying to face the congregation, like pay attention, be with us, be present, be here now as things are about to go be down. Attentive. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a similar passage, Monsignor Mormon says, Now like Moses, he leaves them at the foot of the mount while he ascends to the top to converse with God alone. Mm. Called to the performance of a ministry so much exalted above human nature, yet feeling his utter unworthiness, what can he do otherwise than turn to the people and with supplicant voice say, Pray, brethren. Mm-hmm. Let the faithful consider the priest as oppressed by the knowledge of his unworthiness, seeking the assistance of their prayers to support him during the tremendous sacrifice he is about to accomplish. That's really effective in communicating like the gravity of, of what's happening there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pray, adore, ask ask for mercy. Oh, one other thing I did want to mention before I forget is that in the Eastern Rite, um, in the Byzantine right, when I was looking at the Divine Liturgy, they also have a lavabo that also uses, uses Psalm 25, but it's done, it's done before the Mass when they're preparing the offering um, off to the side. So I thought that was cool. One thing that's, I think, kind of important to note as well, and the Angelus Press says it far better than I ever could, it says here that the Eucharist is the sacrifice of the whole church. It is not exclusively the priest's sacrifice, but the Mm -hmm. property of the faithful also. The priest alone performs the sacrificial act itself, for only his hands are anointed and consecrated to offer sacrifices. He offers in the name of the faithful and for their benefit. Thus, priests and people are at the altar are bound together in a communion of sacrifice, and they offer not only the host and chalice, but themselves also. And then it goes on to quote St. Gregory the Great, who said, The Mass will be a sacrifice for us to God when we have made an offering of ourselves. End quote. So, you know, I think one of the beauties, and I think one of the terrible attacks that you hear a lot and I think straw man attacks that you hear a lot is that people who attend the Latin Mass don't have this active conscious participation that was envisioned by Vatican II. But the truth is that we absolutely do, and mm-hmm. and the Mass has it baked in and has for a very long time. But again, that the efficacy of that offering comes about when we actively are making an offering of ourselves to God and uniting ourselves with the with the that sacrifice that is um, being made on that altar. Mm-hmm. The Orate Fratres and the secret prayer in the actual order of the Mass, there's not much change or any change really, other than that missing kiss at the beginning. But where the change comes in in the Novus Ordo is really in the secret itself, in the propers, right? So the Orate Fratres is preserved, but then you go into the secret and... I actually didn't really know what the secret was, why it was named that. Monsignor Mormon says it's a prayer over the offering set aside. So secreta is in set aside or meaning set aside. We've talked a lot about how the propers were chopped down to, uh, what was it, 13% of their previous number and new ones written in their place. Fulton Sheen says here, quote, For it is most quietly that the celebrant enunciates these words as if to suggest that heaven 
having now entered into the Holy of Holies, the priest, even though the representative and messenger of the people, is nevertheless in his function set apart from them. So it's almost creating a distance there, again, when he says that prayer quietly. Also, speaking of that separation, later on, right, in the actual prayer, uh, the canon, right, there, when the priest actually offers the prayer for the specific intentions of that mass, you will notice that the altar, the MC altar boy, will step backwards, take a few steps back, so that he doesn't hear what mm. that mass is being offered for, and then we'll and then we'll walk forward again and rejoin after that. It's a it's a neat little little thing to to watch. I'm gonna I'm gonna so, have to pay attention and, to that. And, yeah, it's, yeah, it's no, just, I've never it's noticed a little that. Detail that you would never notice. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. The uh, the book I'm reading actually has a second explanation. Not only does it have the having it being as set aside a seat, it may however be ever uh, maybe however that Secreta refers to the offerings or oblata as those separated from secular use for the congregation, the bread and wine, and the offerings they're simply to be blessed the honey beeswax and oil so it could it's kind of like a, a line of demarcation like okay this is specifically blessing this and not these neat well I was, as i was watching us all discuss tonight everybody basically had their books open um <laughs> sharing everything that we're learning i can't help but think that that would be so valuable for young people to do if they're attending the Latin Mass or thinking about attending or already do, just to pray and get together and take a deep dive in what all of these parts of the Mass mean. Like we're doing it here, like in real time right now, learning and bouncing things off of each other and talking about things. And I think it's, they're really valuable things to discuss just in terms of understanding the Mass better. Yeah, see, seeing that the beauty that it has is just me. I just think it's cool. No, no. Definitely not just you. No, hundred percent. Yeah, I I feel like I I will always be a student. Yeah, this fast that I will never fully grasp what is what is going on, and that's the beauty of the mystery of this mass. Mm-hmm. I, I just a random anecdote, totally random, and Mike will probably not appreciate me sharing this, and if he doesn't, then I can <laughs> remove it. But we were um, there go we the eyebrows. At, we were chanting at Candlemas together. And uh, we're there fully vested and sitting in choir, he and I beside each other. And um, Mike has a tendency to shake his leg when he's thinking or whatever. You know, he just is, is he shakes his knee. The weird thing was when he did that, it brought back a, a wild memory of the first time that I went to the Latin Mass with him. And we're both at Mass in Kitchener, and he and I are like, buried deep, nose noses deep in the red book, following along and we're just like, what is this thing? And like, and his knees start shaking because he's so intently focused on what's going on. And then like, and this is like 15 years later almost, I don't know how many years later, you know, here we are sitting in, in choir and we're still nose deep in our books, learning about this mass and still in awe of it. And um, yeah, just, just a random memory. But yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah. It was when you were in college and our uh, university, mm-hmm. Mike, and like, and I came up for a visit and we went to, to mass on a Sunday and, uh, in the middle of the afternoon at, uh, I can't remember what it was. St. Anne's church, church in Kitchener. Mm-hmm. St. Anne's, yeah. shout out to yeah. those guys. Yeah. yeah. It's a neat development over, over years of friendship and growing in the faith. Like, it's just cool. We're not experts at all. Like I say this. Like in the intro, and it's so true that we are constantly still learning and taking in more and more things 
because we desperately just want to know and love and serve and not not just be putting our fingers in our ears, la la la, I'm here. Okay, that's all I need. But generally understand what what's happening and why. N- none of what's there is is vain repetition, right? I just rewatched Mass of the Ages again because I sent it to my sister to watch and then I just started watching it. And yeah, just how they portray everything that's done in the Mass was just so beautiful. And it's like, man, I'm happy to be where I am today that I can see that and know, oh, yeah, that's what's happening. <laughs> At least kind of understand it because, I mean, I'm human and I'm not that smart. There's that. But coming back to that thing, always being a student of, mm-hmm. of the sacred liturgy. I mean, you guys just went to your first Maronite Mass. It was so cool. It was so cool. Right. I loved it. Like, I, I really can't wait to visit it again. Shout out to St. Saint Elias Maronite yeah. Parish in and London. Father Charbel. Boss. Like it was just, mm-hmm. it was just so amazing. I can't, I can't wait to go back. I really hope that, that we can go back and maybe, maybe Chris and Julie and the kids will come and then we can go back to our place and have smash burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Absolutely. That's probably the best deal in your favor ever, isn't it? <laughs> the podcast comes full circle. We begin and end with Smashburgers. Man, now I just want Smashburgers. Gosh. Well, guys, thanks so much for chatting. Next liturgical breakdown, pro- probably not the next episode, maybe. I don't know. The next episode will pick up where we left off at the preface and we'll see where we go from there what do you guys want to talk about next week by the way because i have a topic but i want to hear what you guys think and then i want a boys episode that's what i want (gasps) i would love that so are you trying to say that you want the sons of thunder to return i'm i'm saying i'm saying i want tim chris and mike to get on an episode and just be boys and talk about stuff without the girls that's what i want we need to, uh, we need <laughs> she sounds today. totally okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> Basically what I'm saying, Brooke, is I just want everyone but you on the podcast. I mean, I don't, I don't blame you. Like, I'm not bearded or bald. So, like, I'm right out. <laughs> no, I love that. Okay. Boys, three men. Next episode. It's going to be great. Get it? Said it boys close, two it's men. close to a boys two men. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's after nine. <laughs> 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 well, guys, until next time, stay, stay tratty. Stay tratty.